0: This podcast is brought to you by Jennifer Gluckow and Jeffrey Gittimer, the hosts of the Seller Die podcast. Please listen to podcasts number 722 and 723, where Greg speaks with both Jeffrey and Jennifer about their books, Little Red Book of Selling and Sells in a New York Minute. During these interviews, you will learn more about what is required to become the best salesperson you are able to become, plus tips and ideas about what to implement into your daily routine. Greg also encourages you to listen to their podcast show called Sell or Die. There, you will receive insights about selling with interviews done daily with thought leaders in the field of sales and marketing. Please listen to podcasts 722 and 723 with Jeffrey Gittimer and Jennifer Gluckow. You can learn more about what they're doing by visiting www.sellerdie.com. Also by visiting www.sellsinanyminute.com or by visiting www.gitomer.com. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voisin, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Irene, as I do all the time I come on these shows, you probably heard it from listening to some of the podcasts, I have to thank the thousands of listeners that come from around the world to listen to the words of wisdom from our authors. And today, joining me from New York is Irene O'Garden, and that's O, G-A-R-D-E-N, just like the garden outside. And we're going to be talking about risking the rapids, how my wilderness adventure healed my childhood good day to irene hi there greg wonderful to be here well it's wonderful to have you on and you sound so cheery and i love that and Uh i love that we're going to have a great interview here about a wonderful book that has a lot to teach people and i want to let people out there listening know a little bit about you irene Mm -hmm. has won or been nominated for prizes in nearly every writing category from stages of e-screen, hardcover, children's books, as well as literary magazines and anthologies. Her critically acclaimed play, Women on Fire, uh, starring Judith Ivey, played sold-out houses at uh, off-Broadway uh, Cheryl Lane Theater and was nominated by a Lucille Lortel Award. Uh, she, Irene also was awarded the Pushcart Prize for her lyric essay, glad to be human. Her poems and essays have been featured in dozens of literary journals and award-winning anthologies. Um, She has many books to her uh, name and she is living fully over 40 years with her husband, John, who is mostly known for his play, uh, Angels of God. Is that right? That would be Agnes.
2: Agnes Agnes of God. God.
1: But I do want our listeners to know That you can reach Irene, and we will put a link on our blog to it at Irene, I R E N E O Garden, O G A R D E N dot com. Go to her website. It's really a cool little website. Also, you can find videos of her out there speaking, which I was telling her I had, and a book trailer, um, which is there as well. So, Irene, in this book, you You have a brother that passes away. And as a result of passing away, you guys decide to go on this trip down this river in Montana. And as a result of going down this trip, which I think you probably all thought was going to be the lazy garden or the lazy trip, (laughs) it wasn't so lazy. And you guys ran into some, what you're calling risking the rapids, right? Um, Yes. And I think setting the context for a book like this is is important for our listeners. You felt that this trip helped you get in touch with, you know, you talk about your alcoholic parents, your childhood. You say abusive in a certain way, but not really physically abusive. Just it, there was these things that were going on, right? That that's that right. Were, were just not right. It was a Catholic household. Your dad was an alcoholic. Um, in, in the sense. Um, so we're setting the stage for the book now, now you're going down, you want to take this family trip, you get everybody in this boat. Um, what was the epiphany as a result of you running these rascals? You you talk about risking and that, you know, you're, you're all about risk. Um, <laughs> and I, and I go back to, um, Brene Brown, you know, She always talks about risk, you know, and if you can't be authentic and you can't be vulnerable, why did why did this river trip make you so vulnerable to these past feelings?
2: Well, it's interesting, Greg. Um, I think one of the one of the gifts and one of the uh, challenges of the wilderness is we are vulnerable and 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 that echoes with how vulnerable we are in childhood. Uh, We are at the mercy of powers that we actually cannot control, but we are constantly being asked to respond to. And so my epiphany after getting through this journey was to realize that it was a perfect metaphor for family life, that we can't control what's going on. The best we could do is to continue to deal with situations as they come up and to be as present as possible, our our thinking can't be elsewhere. We our emotional self can't be elsewhere. We have to be paying attention to what's going on right now, so that we can adjust to it. So that we can, you know, keep from getting injured. So that we can keep the people we love uh, to the best of our ability from getting injured. And uh, so that was that was the epiphany was realizing wow that we we face this all the time. Uh, in in our families, and don't think of it in this very direct way. And also, I would agree with
1: you that we don't actually do that. But you said that, you know, this risks kind of assisted recovery, you know, that taking risks, or let's talk about it, risking is also being uncertain, right? You're in very uncertain, uncharted waters, let's put it that way. Go Running is (laughs) very uncharted. And you said that, taking a risk immediately improves your self-respect and it's fundamental to recovery. Um, So what did you recover as a result of the rapid?
2: Well, um, I I, I can explain a little bit about my upbringing and that might help uh, our listeners uh, understand what it was I was recovering from. Uh, I was born uh, in the middle of this large Catholic family. Uh, There were seven children. Uh, My father was a local television personality uh, in Minneapolis. My mother was a dedicated uh, socializing person (laughs) She loved to socialize. She loved charity uh, work and so forth. Uh, and the kind of uh, the kind of injury that we're talking about in general here is not your typical oh alcoholics throwing their children against the wall or starving them or any of those kind of outwardly dramatic things. It was a much subtler kind of emotional neglect, uh, particularly from my mother, who's own background led her to a place where she could be very interested in flying children in from all around the world to help them surgically with their hearts but she was ignoring the hearts of her own living children in the house because we were not at all what what she was expecting (laughs) she was brought up to be a lady and boy we weren't that (laughs) We we were kind of all over the place being normal children but um, but she was not capable of offering the kind of mother love that children deserve to have. So there was that uh, portion, and and each of my siblings a, a, a addressed that in their own ways. That some of them uh, grew to have problems with alcohol, some of them. One of them had chronic pain. One of them had chronic anxiety. My adjustment was to overeat and have decades of food and body image uh, distortion and so forth. So, so that kind of, and I also had a, an older brother who bullied me kind of constantly. So, so that's kind of what I was recovering from. Now, why a risk can help us take uh, that kind of, um, that kind of help is um oh, I'm so sorry this is ringing um why a risk can help us in this way is that we go into something that we're not certain that we can do it's something that we want to do but we're not certain that we can do it and even when we take a first step like I'm not a person who does that kind of high risk thing regularly uh I and I, I don't rock climb i don't skydive i've never done that i i feel like uh we should have the, the the our lives pass before our eyes just that one time at the end where it's supposed to but um but when my younger brother proposed this journey i thought well you know i uh, i love my younger brother i love my younger sister I, it 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 I'm going to be with people who are accustomed to being in the wilderness. So what we're talking about here is a calculated risk. Uh, So you you weigh the factors. Is this a risk that is worth taking for me? And, and, And I went ahead and did it by the fact that I had camped out for a couple of Girl Scouts overnights. I had uh, <laughs> I had floated down the Delaware River on a Sunday afternoon on a on a an inner tube. That was my floating experience. But he said, "Oh, it was going to be kind of a gentle trip, and he'd teach me to fly fish and all of that." And of course, what happened was it was a much more uh, dangerous trip than anybody was anticipating because the river was very very high and it was much faster. So, uh there were a a a boatload of problems that nobody was anticipating. And yet, I am I am so glad that I did it because it helped me again take a look at my childhood once more and and share some memories with those family members that certainly uh led led to much more profound hearing for me.
1: Well, you know, your brother, Jim, was the one who proposed the trip, right? And it, yes. it happened at the memorial service um, for your other brother, um, who you you say had this, he was problematic and passed away in 2014. And, you, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about, you know, you just spoke about you eating yourself up to 200 pounds and then ricocheting back and forth on your diet. But you started Mm -hmm. writing this book, and I want to go kind of to the why, is to kind of look at the family CSI, you said. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're you're the sleuth, the investigator. Um, Uh What did you find out as a result of not just the the rapid trip? Because obviously, um, you're evolving here as a family. You're growing as a family. Whether you're growing apart, you're still, things are happening. There's dynamics going on. What did what was it that happened uh, during the trip itself as a result of the rapids that brought you to uh, actually healing all this part about this dysfunctional family? Meaning, hey, whether it's dysfunction with just the parents, but there was a lot of dysfunction there, right? You're talking about your yes. mother, you're talking about your father, uh, you're talking about your brothers and sisters who kind of played this out in different ways. They had their own issues, alcohol, you, you, you eating too much. But I think the whole concept of using this analogy of a river rafted and it healing your past is really quite an interesting thing for people to conceptually grab onto. What has happened since then?
2: Well, it's interesting. Uh, I've I, I certainly have taken other, uh, other physical risks that I might not have taken. I I took a trip to Carlsbad Caverns with my husband, and we took a lower cave tour, which which meant I had to go backwards down a 90 foot boulder, uh, <laughs> lowering myself on a rope and going on these steel ladders. And it's all lit just by a headlamp on your head. So uh, doing that or 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 climbing. We were uh, in Jordan uh, near where uh, T. E. Lawrence. Uh, was, and we climbed to something called Lawrence Springs, and and I was just in these terrible shoes, and it was like sheer upright, and I had a scary moment on there, but went, you know, being afraid is actually nothing to be afraid of. Uh, when we are children, we are terrified of being afraid because we feel powerless, but as we grow, we realize that Being afraid is definitely a tip-off, but not something to be avoided. Um, I I was reading an article in uh, Psychology Today the other day, and the the author was saying as a result of studies that certainly we feel anxiety when we are considering taking a risk. Part of us really wants to do it, other part nervous about it, all of that. And the truth is, once we take risks, we become, we develop that muscle. We become stronger at being able to take risks. We habituate ourselves to that fluttery feeling. And interestingly enough, if there's a risk we want to take and we do not take it, we feel anxiety then. So I believe if you're going to feel anxiety no matter what, do the anxiety that's going to get you towards what you want because i think risk is really the tightrope that connects us with what we want and you don't have to start a hundred feet in the air you know you can you can start when we they train they train very close to the ground and and you know when you when you decide you're going to take a risk there will be people around to help you Mm -hmm. uh, someone who's taken it um so i I just encouraged people if they're thinking about risks, and it doesn't have to be going into the wilderness. The wilderness was a metaphor and a truth that was very, very important to me. And of course, there's all the science that about how beneficial it is for us to be in nature. But, um, but a listener may have a risk of, for example, wanting to share a piece of writing with someone or perhaps having a conversation that is a little difficult with another family member. Uh, risks come in all shapes and sizes uh, like people do. And um, But, but t- the taking of a risk is something that does empower us.
1: Well, actually, didn't you find that taking a risk was a huge breakthrough? It's a breakthrough from a psychological barrier that we put up about this, what risk could, what could happen? You know, this whole imagined future concept that we deal with um, that's, that's actually very, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's damming, right? Let's use the analogy of a river. Um, We don't really (laughs) want to, we don't want to dam our rivers. We don't want to dam ourselves. We actually move out of flow. We move out of a space of being free of wanting to have this opportunity to experience something new. Um, The fear holds us back from breaking through and continuing. You know, water flows around rocks. um, (laughs) And frequently as individuals, we don't flow around rocks. We stop, Mm -hmm. we bury our emotions, we bury our feelings. What were those feelings that you were burying that you got in touch with that allowed you to open the flow back up to move the chi through your body and feel like a wonderful human being again.
2: Well, it's interesting. I think that one of the one of the things that happens to us, so for me, it was a, a question of my self-worth, my, you know, my belonging here on earth, being in a body, you know, uh, the Catholic strain that we were brought up in, really the body was the bad thing. The emotions were the bad thing. The intellect was the good thing so there were these large parts of myself that i had to learn were not only wonderful but they are we are born to be here in physical bodies we are born to have emotions and someone asked me well why is it important that we heal from childhood wounds so the wounds of the neglect of my mother the wounds of the bullying of my brother these were the things the wounds of my wounding myself by by abusing food uh, those wounds were are important to heal whatever whatever anyone's wounds are because when they're not healed we then project those patterns again and again until we kind of get it right we so we keep wounding ourselves in these old-fashioned ways that we're kind of accustomed to being wounded but that's no fun and we don't have to live there and the other Issue that I see with unsolved or un, unhealed wounds of, of, and it doesn't have to be childhood. It could be something that happened to us as an adult. But those, those wounds that we ignore, what that does is it also makes us not look within ourselves because we think it's just a repository of pain. And that's when we go to addictive behaviors that's when we go to shopping or drinking or you know uh, uh, uh gambling or or just surfing the net all day or just binge watching we're that's like pushing away parts of ourselves that are in pain but the truth is once you turn and look at that, and I, I'm not saying you have to do this by yourself. I'm a big fan of therapy. Therapy is a really important step for many people in, in, in getting some help. You know, the risk of looking within, that's a radical risk going up, but trusting that looking within will not only take you through the pain, but will help you reach underneath it, which is where our power is. It's where the universal power comes up through us. And that's where our birthright of joy is. So once we sift through and filter out and release those childhood fears, or those adult fears, those wounds, then our energy, it can just skyrocket and we are, more helpful to ourselves and we're definitely more of service to the world around us. So uh, that's why I believe it's really important to take a risk.
1: Well, vulnerability, as you talk about and taking this risk, um, you know, and obviously these rapids, let's talk about this. It got pretty rough on the trip, right? And Yes, they did. And I saw pictures in your video of the boat actually capsizing, or at least it looked like it did. Um, so you guys fell out so of the boat? Oh, we sprung a
2: leak. Oh, yes, yeah. multiple times. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um if you hit a and rock, and so,
2: just jolted out.
1: Yeah, and, and so for you, for somebody who had not experienced wilderness in this way, um, what's the lesson that nature was teaching you and your family by giving you all a jolt?
2: <laughs> well, I think one of the things is we can get through a lot more than we think we can. And the body still continues to quake once you've been tossed out of the river. It was actually, incidentally, much harder for me to watch the people I loved at risk than for me to be at risk, you know, and feeling like I couldn't do anything for them, which, of course, we all ended up just fine, but it was but you, in the moment, you're simply paying absolute attention to what's going on. So so nature helps me see not only that oh, I can survive, I can help the people I love to survive, but it also helps me realize that, again, going back to that metaphor of family life and the unexpected things coming up with us, you know, you can, you're out in the wilderness and all of a sudden a huge thunderstorm blows up you're soaking wet you're as uncomfortable as you've ever been in your life well are you going to get angry at the storm well you can but what good does that do you and you can and and you can be in a boat which then this happened with the guy who was paddling the lead paddler paddled us right past our campsite for the night now there's no turning around on the water. You can't go back and get that campsite. And the light is fading and so you can definitely feel anger at the nephew that paddled us right past that. And that's that's understandable and I wouldn't say don't feel it. However, the thing that 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 the wilderness gives you is you cannot hang on to that. You cannot hang on to those emotions because the other new stuff is coming at you. You've got to be present to deal with the next set of circumstances with the next hazards, and you do your own self a disservice by carrying that anger around in your backpack. It just doesn't help. So again, that was something that, that was a gift of nature to help me see that that's very much like living in a family or living with other human beings at all, which is certainly experience the emotions that you have, but do not hang on to them because they will, first of all, they'll go away on their own. And secondly, you've got to be dealing with the, the unexpected um, times and places where things accelerate, where things are moving unpredictably like the water. And and if we're present, we can handle it.
1: So, Irene, if you were to take this whole trip, the passing of your brother, everybody going back down the river again to try and Mm -hmm. heal from the emotions of that and maybe heal some other things. What, what was your spiritual epiphany? What would you tell our listeners? What happened to you? Look, you came from a Midwestern Catholic family. Um, You had all of these, um, I don't know, ways in which you had been taught to look at God. You obviously at these moments Mm -hmm. must be looking at a higher, Power and a higher source, and saying why, or you're asking them for guidance. Um, what epiphanies did you have, and what other family members had similar epiphanies since you've now uh, survived this and come away from it? Um, what's really going on? Well, it's interesting. I
2: think what happens, or what happened for me uh, in terms of an epiphany, uh, was was a a physical understanding uh, of embodying my intention, uh, really embodying my intention—not only to 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 do the very best I could by my family and by me, uh, to to fully intend to be present for them—and it was another. It was not the first time that I have uh that it is it has become more and more evident to me that we do create our reality by what it is we is we're thinking and what it is we're projecting so to realize in some of the most difficult moments of this that i do create my reality and, and my reality the reality that i wanted to create was that we were safe that that i uh, was going to be safe myself that i could cross some of these very challenging uh rocks and lift these loads and i could create the self that i wanted to be which was to be as loving and responsive as i could be uh in this situation and it was i i it wasn't that i never played with these ideas before this trip it's just that these this trip kind of brought these threads all together in this very vivid arena. And, and I think it was quite true of my younger sister as well. She, this trip too, uh, was an epiphany for her. She, um, had, had some issues with anxiety and simply facing this trip and facing what we faced on this trip really strengthened her capacity to feel powerful. And uh, and she has she told me she has less anxiety about things now than, than she ever did before, simply because she proved to herself that she could get through this unexpected set of challenges.
1: Well, it sounds like since the trip, um, you also have been able to risk more. You talked about these events with your husband and going to these mm-hmm. various places, which have been since the, your brother's passing in this trip in 2014. Um, mm-hmm. so what would you impart upon our listeners as a result of you stepped out of your comfort zone, you got way out of your comfort zone, <laughs> um, and now you're able to look at life in a little different way. It, and I don't think it always has to do with our age, but I do believe that age sometimes plays an important role in maturing our perspective about risk. Usually people will say, well, the older people get, the less risk they take. Uh, the younger uh-huh. you are, you take more risk. If you were to put this in the context of your current age, because I'm going to be 65 next month. I don't know how uh-huh. old you are. Happy you, don't birthday. you don't ask <laughs> oh, a woman, right? But I'm actually no, less, <laughs> I'm less risk averse than I think I was when I was back in, in my teenage years, any correlation there for you?
2: Uh, That's interesting too, because I feel, I feel that I am certainly more open to risk. Although, you know, I, 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 one of the things that I think, Greg, is that we don't give ourselves credit for the amount of risks that we've actually taken. You know, I, I'm, I'm certainly open to this kind of dramatic physical challenge, but I'm also in better shape than I've ever been in. You know, I had many years where that I, I simply would not have been capable of doing that because I had yet to learn to ground uh, my love for my body. I had yet to learn to appreciate what that meant to really care for myself. Because, again, when you grow up with neglect, you kind of embody that for a while. But um, I, I also think that whether you take a risk, or not, you know, as I was saying, we, we have that anxiety, but I also want to take that idea just a little bit further because, uh, a a woman I know asked me what I was up to. And I told her this book and she said, Oh, risk. Interesting. My husband is at a job that he's been at for 35 years and he is, he, he really kind of wants to learn real estate, but he's afraid if he quits, that um, he might not make a go of it and um, he could stay here in this job for another 10 years, but uh, I don't know. And I said, well, um, isn't it true that in lots of places they kind of edge out older workers because it's cheaper for them? And she said, yes. And, and I said, well, if he wants to do this and he's not doing it, he's actually taking a risk by staying where he is, only he's not seeing it as a risk. But there is a risk. He could get pushed out. He could, and in 10 years, he's, you know, 65 may be difficult for him to, to find um, work in the real estate world. I said, so he, he could address the risk of staying there by just beginning to explore in a safe way, uh, like an online real estate course, or just see if he feels that he can build his strength. To making that, to taking the risk that he really wants to take. So, you know, I I took the risk of moving as a young person to New York. I was, you know, I came from Minneapolis. It was kind of a scary idea at first. I thought maybe I should move to Chicago and then kind of get used to that and then move to New York. But the interesting thing is, you know, I was going to have to learn New York anyway, so I I ended up moving straight to New York and I didn't know people there and I, but but. I think it's important for us to go back over our lives and look at the risks we've taken. Some of us have born children. Big risk. Some of us have gone after a job we never thought we could get. So I think it's helpful for us to look back at our pattern of risk taking and realize that actually we've taken a lot more risks than we give ourselves credit for. Certainly it is a, it's a beautifully maturing fruit in us that, you know, the older we get, um, the more experience we have and we realize, you know, I mean, th- the one thing that I w- want to leave your your listeners with is that it is never too late to heal and it is never too soon to start.
1: Well, I think you said this in, um, uh, in the, maybe not in the book, but as an answer to a question that risk is the tightrope we walk that connects us to what we want. Um yes very, very poignant um and what is it if if you were to impart on our listeners what is it that you wanted and what is it that you want now
2: hmm. um i would say that i wanted freedom from my own oppression from my own fear I wanted freedom and in writing this book that certainly happened and the other um the other risk that sort of is invisible in this book was that I I wrote the book with many family members still alive so I was taking a risk that by showing it to them that they might not like it they might not like me they might not you know, I might not have made my love for them clear enough in the book. You know, there were a lot of, uh, there was worry that I had about that. And yet I knew that I had to take that risk for myself in order to heal. And uh, I'm happy to say, that the other, uh, the other thing that has been completely fulfilled for me by the writing of this book was that the other family members have been incredibly, incredibly supportive and, and have turned out for my readings and have bought multiple copies and have shared it with people. Uh, there is one uh, sibling who has distanced himself from the family from a very early, uh, early time. So he is not uh, involved in this. I don't think he actually knows about the book. Uh, but I'd be willing to contact him if I thought I would be welcome, but he just is not into family. But, so my overall intention, uh, it started out as being kind of on uh, the crime scene and who's responsible for these crimes against my siblings and blah, blah, blah. But my true intention was to find a way to look at this whole situation, to forgive that which needed to be forgiven, not by just shoving it aside, by actually examining what took place and then examining what happened to my parents in their childhoods that could give me a sense of perspective. So so those two, um, those two tight ropes, I am happy to say I've reached the other end of. And as for what I want now, it's simply to share the joy of being free from those wounds and to try to help other people uh, take risks that they might have been shy about taking, and to see what an incredibly empowering thing that is to do.
1: Well, I I know that this is a beautiful story, and I think that the story helps to articulate. And in your one of your uh, pages here toward the end of the book, um, The Panorama's Edge, you say a family is a landscape of its own as granted as the or as ground, granted as the earth and trees a wild ecology of feelings unique in balance particular of circulation each person each event becomes environment familiar and dear and scary um i love how you've actually put that um and that is true for a family isn't it it's a landscape um of its yeah. own and you traversed it, uh, very well, uh, during your trip here and the way you eloquently wrote about the trip. And I want to encourage our listeners to get this, um, book, whether you're actually trying to heal childhood, um, uh, challenges that you may have had or a dysfunctional family or whatever it might book. The book is very enjoyable reading. It's about her journey It's about the challenges that she faced. But I think what you'll find in the pages is an opportunity for you to heal as well. Like the wilderness taught her, I think frequently the wilderness is there uh, to give us an opportunity to heal. So, any parting words for our listeners, Irene, if you were to leave uh, them on an up note about (laughs) risking the rapids and how wilderness might help them heal? I would simply say,
2: there's a risk that has come up in the mind of a listener today, and they're drawn to it. They're a little anxious about it, but they're drawn to it. I would say trust your inner self. Trust that intuition and give yourself that opportunity to heal or to enjoy by taking the risk that you really long to take.
1: What a great way to end our podcast. And all of those who are listening, where it's Irene O'Garden, we'll put a link on our website to Irene's uh, website so that you can just click on it. We'll also put a link to Amazon to Risking the Rapids How My Wilderness Adventure Healed My Childhood. We've been on with Irene O'Garden, uh, the author of this book, a wonderful opportunity for you to just have some light reading, read a story. And read into that what you want, what might be going on for you and how you might be able to address it. Irene, a pleasure having, you know, an inside personal growth, spending time uh, allowing our listeners to delve in and look inside your personal life, which, you know, that's a risk in itself when you expose yourself in a book with all the issues that are going on. I want to thank you for taking that risk because through your willingness to risk, risk, you're going to help lots of people heal issues that they might have. Thanks for being on.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Greg. I've really enjoyed it.
0: This podcast is brought to you by John Baldoni, the author of a new book entitled Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. Please listen to podcast number 726, where John and Greg speak about the importance of being in grace as a leader. John's acronym for grace is generosity, respect, action, compassion, and energy, which are all attributes that the leaders of today need to possess. It takes real courage to be a great leader. And John's new book, Grace, is a roadmap for leaders to follow. Please listen to podcast number 726 with John Baldoni the author of Grace, A Leader's Guide to a Better Us. You can also learn more about John and his book, Grace, by visiting www.johnbaldoni.com or the book website at www.gracethebook.com. Thanks for listening.